0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Let's take that off. Here we go. Can you see me? Can you hear me now? How about now? Give me a thumbs up (laughs) in the chat. So, so sorry. I don't know what happened there. My computer went all funny. Um, Is there still no sound? Let's see what you guys... Are saying in the live chat. There we go. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, As I say, don't know what happened there. Not the way I'd like to start a show. But anyway, let's start from the beginning. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this edition of the show, we're going to be focusing on Edu. And some of the comments that Edu has made during Arsenal's pre-season tour, of the United States. He gave a real in-depth interview in which he discussed all sorts. He discussed the current transfer window. He talked about Arsenal's plan and he talked about various other bits and pieces as well. Some uh, sort of references to the past as well that I thought were very, very interesting. And look, a lot of the time when you get these types of interviews from sporting directors or people in similar positions to Edu, a lot of the time it can be solely PR. A lot of the time it can be um, you know, a, a bit of fluff, you know, there'll always be a little bit of fluff in these types of interviews, but maybe more fluff than anything else. Whereas I felt that this interview had real, real substance. And one of the good things about Edu, in my opinion, is that he seems to have this ability to communicate really, really well. And I think as fans, I don't think we should know everything. I don't think we should ever be in a position where we know everything. I think that is detrimental I, I think that clubs should be doing their business quietly and behind the scenes and you know going about their work in the most discreet way possible but I think as fans if we're expected to buy into something if we're expected to be on board with something we do need some of that clarity we do need that communication to a certain point and we do need to be aware of what the idea is and edu says this, at one point in the interview and we're going to come on to breaking it down in just a few minutes time but before we do that despite the technical glitch right at the start of the show if you could please leave a like on the video it would be very and if you are an audio listener meaning that you're listening to us via apple podcasts or spotify or any of those lovely platforms then please please do subscribe there and leave us a review Right, let's get into it then. Let's break down this interview. Edu has been speaking. I know people said the sound's gone again. It went for a few seconds. It is back. And I know why that happened. Um, but it should be back. Here we go. Yeah, back. Yeah. Just looking at the comments. Mute. Sounds gone again. Back again. Back. We should be fine now. I had a loose uh, connection, which, is, um, which I've just discovered. And as I went to uh, put that back in, And then it momentarily uh, lost signal where Craig's in the chat says, if you're an audio listener, you're screwed today. Do you know what? No, Craig. The joke is on you YouTubers, because on the audio, I can take those bits out before it goes out. Whereas on YouTube, it is literally uh, straight onto the platform as you see and hear it. Uh, Big hello to the Fort Lauderdale Guna Craig, who says, Harry, still recovering from Orlando. Hope all is well, my friend. All is good at my end all is good um i've actually had a, a, an okay day today got up this morning um did a bit of prep work sat down focused on um focused on uh the gas tank this morning did the show with the guys great banter as always great chat uh, and then uh had a few uh, meetings to attend and then i popped out uh to a local shop to get a few things that i needed and and now i'm back and back to work and uh, probably going to be working quite late into the evening this evening, but all good. Can't complain. I will be on Tom Canton's channel a little bit later on. He's got a really good lineup uh, on that show. I think that's live at 6pm UK time. If it's not too late by the time you watch or listen to this, please do come over and join us on there as well. Okay, right. Look, Let's break down this interview and I can't show you guys the transcript because it is behind the paywall. I've gone with the athletics version, although you can read The same quotes uh, over on football.london, some brilliant work done by Kaya Kainak. You can go over there and you can check it out. Um, I've sort of read it first on the athletics um, page, and so I'm going to be taking the quotes from there. But if you do want to read it later on, if you do want to go back over it, you can find it. On football.london as well now i talked at the top of the show about the need for people to understand the project the need for people to understand what it is that arsenal are trying to do in order to then be able to judge it fairly and judge it from a place of knowledge rather than from guessing you know sometimes you can guess what someone's intentions are and then based on your assumptions around their intentions you can make judgments that aren't necessarily always fair however Uh, When it comes uh, to Edu, I think he's been very big on the idea of getting out as much as he possibly can to the fans. And I think, you know, he explains with these quotes that I'm about to read you why that is so important to him. He says, it's important people understand because if you don't understand, it's difficult to support or difficult to judge. He says, says, uh, we have a strategy, we have ideas, we have a plan. You like it or you don't like it. That's fine. I accept that. But I say a lot. People have to understand what you're going to do. People have to really get the idea and then let's judge it. And I think that was a really, really good starting point for the piece. I think that was a really good starting point in order to kind of just re-emphasize the point. As I say, that Edu's job, part of Edu's job, um, part of Edu's remit is to make sure that that communication is there. Part of his job is to make sure that that um, unity is there and he can only influence that by making sure that they're transparent, as transparent as they possibly can be. And again, that's a really, really important point to get into that, right? Because football clubs can't go about airing their business to everybody and anybody at any given point. There has to be a level of secrecy. There has to be a level of confidentiality is probably a better word. But yeah, I think it's important that the bits that you can share and the, the ideas, the overall basis of what it is that you're trying to achieve needs to be out there because it needs understanding before people will get on board with it. And I think that's one of the issues that we've had at Arsenal over the last two years, when you think about the way the support is is probably still divided in a lot of ways. I'd say now, with the additional clarity that we've been given and um, with people starting to be able to see what it is that's happening on the pitch and understanding the evolution there, I think we're starting to see more unity. Still not completely 100%, but I would say that the majority of Arsenal fans right now are behind what is happening at the club and you could really feel that in the stadium throughout last season i felt that the atmosphere was much much better than it had been in previous seasons and that was largely because of an investment that the fans are feeling again with their team so edu was asked about when the club began implementing the current strategy and and he was very blunt and open about this and i, I you know this bit kind of gave me a little bit of confidence in that When I was quite critical of Unai Emery and when I was quite critical of the direction the club was going at that point and people were on my back about it and and very critical of me as a result. It gives me confidence or not confidence, but uh, look, let me be honest, it gives me a tiny little bit of satisfaction to know that it wasn't just me that saw it that way. Obviously, the club saw it that way in the end, and hence why they moved Unai Emery on. But I think this reinforces the points that I was making back then. And those points were that there was no direction, there was no structure, there was no identity. And we were moving into, you know, an unknown direction at the end of the day. This is what Edu had to say. He said, with all due respect, the plan started really when we decided to change Unai Emery. That was my first planning, to go to the board, explain to them the reasons that we wanted the change and the reason that we wanted to go in a different direction. The idea behind it was to have a coach with a very clear idea, a very clear plan, very clear structure, how he wants to play and from that we could build something together. If you have a coach and it's difficult to read how he plays, which is exactly what I was saying about Unai Emery all the time, in terms of system, characteristics, etc. Edu says it makes our life super complicated. And then we make a lot of mistakes on recruitment because we don't really understand. And it's not easy to find the right player for the right system, for the right coach. So Edu highlighting the point that with Unai Emery, people within the club were struggling to understand which direction he was taking the team. People were struggling to understand where it was that we were going. And I like the fact that Edu took it upon himself and went, yeah, I think we need change. You know, that gives me confidence that the person in the sporting director role, technical director role, whatever you want to call it, is is keeping his ear close to the ground, is understanding of what's going on and has a football knowledge. You know, you could easily put a businessman there who maybe wouldn't have sensed that what was happening with Unai Emery was wrong until maybe further down the line, in which case more damage could have been done. And the plan wouldn't have started in November 2019. It might have started in February 2020. And then we would be even further behind where we are today. Um, He said we had to really be brave to make that decision in the middle of the season because internal people said to me, Wow, we never did that before. And I said, no problem. In Brazil, we do that a lot. Don't worry. He then went on to say, look, of course, I'm I'm joking. Uh, but he says, but if you've already diagnosed it's not our plan, then you need to change as soon as possible. Or all you do is postpone, postpone, postpone. And in football, sometimes a decision has to be made quickly. It hurts, it's challenging, but it has to be done. So an acceptance within the football club. An acceptance on the part of Edu that the appointment of Unai Emery, although in the short term, seemed a decent idea. You know, we did get to the Europa League final under the Spaniard. We did miss out on the Champions League very narrowly in terms of the Premier League. But overall, there was an acceptance and an understanding that, yeah, maybe the short-term impact was that we were competitive. But ultimately, it became clearer and clearer that maybe Unai Emery himself, in terms of the direction he wanted to take the team, was a little bit lost. I always say this, though. You know, sometimes I I look at Unai Emery and I think, was I a little bit harsh on you with my criticism? Was some of it unfair? Was some of it unjust? I think the criticism was valid. But I don't think he was helped by the club. I don't think he was helped in terms of having funds available to him, given to him to go out and get the players that he wanted. I felt like the club had one idea, Unai Emery had another. And I always reference these particular examples, but they are, um, you know, they are good examples. You know, he didn't want Nicolas Pepe first and foremost. He wanted Wilfred Zaha. But the club made the decision to move for Pepe. We know that he was interested in, for example, the likes of Steven and Zonzi in midfield and Arsenal went out and got Lucas Torreira, who was miles apart from Nzonzi in terms of the player profile, in terms of what the manager was looking for. But for me, reading this and seeing it today, and enough time has passed now, the dust has now settled that you can speak about this. Um, but what we what we gather from it and what we understand now is that Edu in particular was concerned by the lack of direction and therefore made his case that a change needed to be made. And Adam says in the chat, um, good point there, Harry, on the football director slash business person point. Look at the mess United have got themselves in with Ed Woodward taking football decisions as a businessman. Exactly. And listen, to be a football man, you don't necessarily have to have been a World Cup winner or played at the highest necessary level. You know, you think about Arsene Wenger, certainly a football man. Jose Mourinho, certainly a football man. They didn't have the best uh, sort of playing careers. But what you would say is, you know, it needs to be someone with that base knowledge of the game and who is close with everybody, who has the relationships with everybody within the club, the players, the staff, and can almost sense when things are moving in the wrong direction. And I think Edu kind of hints that, you know, in his position in his role he understood that actually all wasn't well and something needed to be done so I thought that bit was was really really interesting Um, he then was asked about you know the decision to appoint Mikel Arteta and we've all seen these um, you know these quotes before or something to this effect I'll just quickly run through it he says when I met Mikel I went to his house and we had a great relationship straight away Uh, we had conversations there were ideas etc And then I saw that he has a plan, a football plan, the style, the players, the characteristics, very technical points on how he wants to play people inside or external, how we're going to press a lot of technical stuff. And he showed me he has a very clear idea of how he wants to play football, which again helps us to make decisions. Now he's going to make this club's life easier. Then I gave to the club a five-year plan. There we go. It's a five-year plan. So when people are kind of Jumping up and down, losing their minds and saying, oh, he should be sacked now. The club have a five-year plan and we've had, what, two and a half seasons of that five-year plan so far. So we're, you know, more than halfway through it, Uh, but we're still not where we want to be. But Edu said, guys, by the 2022-23 season, we're going to be much better. We have to be patient. It would be impossible to take everybody out and put everybody in. We need a process to do that. We need good decisions. We need to be brave and we're going to face some difficult moments with players, agents, etc. But that is the plan. Interesting that it was mapped out by the football club as a five year plan. Now, some of the questionable decisions that have been made since Mikel Arteta and Edu were calling the shots. And I know that with David Luiz, I don't think he was brought to the club under Mikel Arteta, but he did have a contract extended. Um, Some of the questionable decisions were the decisions to sign both David Luiz and, of course, uh, Willian. Um, Here's what Edu had to say when asked about that. He said, we presented to the board our plans. We received a lot of good messages. And then during that journey, during that two years, David Luiz and Willian were the players which we considered at that moment the players to help us maintain the short term in the good level. Right or wrong, that was the idea, because I'd say Willian Free, wow, if he's feeling well, he's going to help us for short periods. David Luiz, with his experience and knowledge of the Premier League, okay, again, for short periods, maybe for the process, he's going to help us. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, but the idea was there. And this is really, really important to note, right? I don't think there is a technical director in football. There isn't a football person in the world who has never got a single decision wrong. And what I'm very pleased to say is that over the course of Edu and Arteta working together as as a kind of duo, I think we've seen more positives in terms of recruits than negatives. Have there been bad ones? Yeah, you know, that's two. You know, the David Luiz one, You know, we really, really struggled, obviously, because, um, you know, in the second season, we were too reliant on David Luiz. I thought the second season that Mikel was here, I'm talking about, thought we were too reliant on David Luiz. If you talk about Willian, did it work? No, it didn't. But credit to both Willian and the club here for making sure that that didn't rumble on for too long. Runerson would be a mistake, in my opinion. Pablo-Marie, Bought in as a squad player, but you could argue that that was a mistake. Cedric, I think, has done okay again as a squad player. But the point I'm trying to make here is that nobody will have a squeaky clean record when it comes to recruitment. There's not a single football director or manager or coach in the world that has got every single one of those right. And so there will be mistakes and we have to accept that those mistakes are going to happen from time to time. What we also have to do, though, is ensure that as a football club, we're in the position where those mistakes and the effect of those mistakes can be minimized as best as possible and not hinder us in moving forward in the way that we should be. Eddie was asked about cleaning the squad. Now, there's been a lot made of that, and I think that's one of the bits in which the work has been equally as good as the recruiting. But this doesn't always get the glitz and glamour when being reported on because nobody really wants to talk about people out nobody really wants to talk about about the struggles and difficulties i beg your pardon that come with that so what did edu say on cleaning the squad he said me There are three elements which, in my role, I have to be really prepared to be strong on the message to the players. And when the players, when the squad, he means some of it is not in the best English. So when I'm reading it, it does sound a bit broken. When the player is 26 plus and he's on a big salary and he's not performing, he's killing you, that kind of player, because you don't have a valuation to sell the player. The player is comfortable. It's Arsenal, London, beautiful. Everything is fantastic and they have a good salary how do you move this player? So how many players with that kind of characteristics did we have in the past, says Edu, as a kind of rhetorical question, which he then goes on to answer. So it wasn't really rhetorical, was it? Anyway, he says 80% of the squad. That's why I said to them when I made my plan, guys, it's not going to be easy to clean the squad straight away, because most of the players have a two, three or four year contract. Arsenal have moved out an awful lot of players and I predict we'll continue to do that over the duration of what remains of this transfer window. They have to move people on, they have to clear the decks even further. But to, to kind of highlight that in Edu's opinion, 80% of the squad was in that bracket of, I'm over 26, I'm comfortable, I'm on a crazy salary, nobody else is going to take it on, etc, etc. To have to move on 80%, Of the squad, or to feel that way about 80% of your playing group highlights and re emphasizes how big a job Nikel Arteta and Edu have had on their hands and how rotten it was to the core at Arsenal Football Club. And that's where my patience comes from the understanding of that, the understanding of the fact that we had so many of these players, so many of these problem characters, if you like, within the club that, you know. It was always going to take time. And it's why I'm I'm more patient than most in transfer windows. And it's why I've been more patient with Edu and Arteta than most. And let's see where that takes us. Well, I believe we're moving in the right direction, but there needs to be a bit more patience from the fan base in general. Uh, Edu then discussed, obviously, struggling to get fees for departing players. And he said, if you imagine, oh, no problem. This season, we're going to expose the player a little bit more and then we'll sell them then no, that's not realistic. You don't want to sell the player because you don't want to, basically what he's saying, and again, the English is a little bit broken here, but what what he's saying is, if you think that, oh, I'll just put someone in the team, let them play a bit, let them get a bit of exposure and then bang, I'll be able to sell them. That is just not realistic. He says, you try to avoid one more year with the problem inside the dressing room. They're expensive, not performing. You need to clean it, take it out even, I'm sorry, if you have to pay, to leave is better because that guy is sometimes also blocking someone. I know it hurts. I know it's strange when I go to the board and say sometimes it's better to pay a player to leave than maintain them. But I consider that as an investment. Sometimes people say it's expensive and I say, no, it's an investment. But someone will pay if you sell. He asks the question, will someone pay? If you decide to sell these players, and he says, no, if the player is above 26 or 27 and not performing on a big salary, no chance. And he reiterates the point that he made earlier on. He knows that Arsenal have had to pay people to get rid of them. He knows that that was the only way that they could speed up the process of cleaning the squad and making way for the new group. He knew that. And he's obviously been campaigning really hard, you know, at the doors of, of Mr. Kroenke, senior and junior, to get this done, and to make sure that Arsenal were willing to do it. And I and I really, um, I really like that because for me, it's it's proactive, it's it's being proactive. That's what I want to see um, from someone in charge of Arsenal because this problem was never going to fix itself anytime soon unless we got going and we did become ruthless and we did take on that, you know, that different mentality that was was so desperately lacking. But he does say that, you know, of course, we're not looking to continue that cycle. You know, we're not looking to continue operating that way. But unfortunately, we kind of have to deal with the problems that we've got. And he says, you know, tell me how many players in the squad we have with those negative characteristics today. I can tell you next summer he says have a look at the valuation of the players we have the age of the group that we have and the salaries that we have today now as part of the plan we create value in our players and that is how this club needs to operate that is the only way a club like arsenal with the owners that arsenal have can be competitive right at the very top they have to be smart they have to invest well they have to be ruthless And they have to be sure to get the vast majority of their decisions when it comes to recruitment right. They also need the right environment. They need the right coach. And Arsenal clearly believe that they've got that in Mikel Arteta, but they need to break old cycles and old habits. He was also asked about the timing of Arteta's new contract. And, you know, personally, when, when this was announced, I thought that Arsenal could have waited until the end of the season to do it. I said to you guys at the time that the fact that arsenal did it having secured europa league football announced it, having secured europa league football told me that you know the club had achieved what they set out to at the start of the season and although they didn't go on record as saying it and eddie was very sort of you know careful to ensure he didn't commit in that way um you know at the start of last season i think that it was clear that arsenal have had reached their objective and achieved their goal, which was to get back into Europe, Europa League. When uh, he was asked, as I say, about the decision to give Mikel Arteta the contract and announce it at the time they did, he said, I was an important part of this process as well. Of course, I can recommend, I can talk, but the decision in the end is for the owners and the board. But it was part of the plan as well, because we had discussions where we said, okay, now we're going to face a transfer window. And if you want to be a club like Arsenal and for people to see us as very organized, well-planned, our manager has to be renewed because the agents and the players can say, okay, what's happening there in a year? Six months, a three-year contract. We say, no, 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 he's our coach. He's our manager. He's going to be with us for a minimum of three years more. That's how to avoid any doubts when you're going to sign a player. And, and it's interesting to hear that point of it, right? Because it isn't just reward for Mikel Arteta getting us back into Europe, which was, we assume, his goal that was laid, laid out to him at the start of the season. Instead, this shows that Arsenal are thinking about the future as well, thinking about the transfer market, thinking about how they can best put themselves in a position from which they're more likely to sign the players that they want. Um... Edu was asked about us failing to make the top four. He said, I felt in some important moments we needed players like the players that we're signing today. In those kind of moments, we're going to play an important game where there's pressure and we have to be win the game to be in the Champions League. You need a squad with an attitude of, I want to kill someone, you know? All right, Edu, I don't think you need to kill people to get in the Champions League. But he's trying to make the point of like, we need people that are just desperately hungry that have been there done it that know what it's all about they can take the pressure on uh, but also have that hunger and uh and want to really push on he says i'm not saying we don't have a good squad but we needed a bigger squad with personalities with some behaviors that say i don't lose that game i'll kill someone before i lose that game and i think we've added some players with that kind of character it's good to hear Edu uh, was asked about introducing the winning mentality. If Arsenal have introduced the winning mentality, he says, for sure. Talk to Gabriel Jesus, talk to Zinchenko, talk to Fabio Vieira. Um, he says, the win is here. And he points to his head during the interview. He said, Champions League, okay, I accepted that because I want to be realistic. But here in my head, I want to win. A club like Arsenal at our size is not, fi- is not building to be fighting for fourth place. I'm sorry. He says, we have to be realistic, the city, Liverpool, etc. And that's fine. I accept that. But also, you cannot accept that. When you join a club, when you see our size, we cannot accept it. That's why I was really, really hurt when I arrived. I said, that's not the mentality of this football club. What's happening? Everybody's comfortable. Everybody's okay. He says, F you. Okay, okay. No, I don't want to lose games. We have to be there again. And I want to see the physios. I want to see the scouting. I want to see everyone with that kind of feeling where you say, fucking hell, now we're going to really go for things. And I think we're changing. Again, it doesn't happen all night, but I think we're changing and putting some good mentality in the squad, the right characters. Edu just getting a little bit overly passionate, and they're probably going to demonetize my videos as well, true as Edu. But um, yeah, you know, Edu getting really kind of um, passionate and, and fiery about the idea of... Yeah, you know, Champions League is the next step. Of course it is. And it's probably the goal and the aim and the ambition for this season. It should be. But it's not the end game for Arsenal. It's not where Arsenal want to end up. It's not, let's get into the Champions League. Okay, we've done it now. Let's put our feet up. It's about getting Arsenal as close to the top as we can possibly be again. That's what we all want to see. Edu was discussing, persuading players to join. Kind of explained this process a little bit. He said, it's always face to face. I go there, I meet the player. If I have to travel to Germany or anywhere, I want to see the player, the agent, the family. I want to put everyone together and say, guys, listen to me and what I want to say. And then I sell what we are doing, our project, because it works both ways, doesn't it? I want to show them, but I want to see as well if they want to enjoy, because if I smell something wrong, then thank you very much. I go and I don't sign them. He said he faced an experience like this for a player at Dortmund. I started to talk to them, engage the player, talk to the family, but always it was, yeah, but what about my contract? I said, listen, I want to understand first, if you engage with this, if you like this, if you like it, I can talk, but not the opposite side. He said the player said, oh, no, let's talk about money. No, 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 no. And one day I said to the agent, guys, thank you very much. It's not what I want to do. Boom. Boom so edu taking the time to try and understand the character first understanding whether they are engaged in this project or not and um and i think this is uh this is the right way to do things i really really do um he was talked about he he spoke about kind of his style and his communication style and he said you know um, I've always been like this, even when I was a player, you can't avoid conflict in football, but I always tried to work out how to manage that conflict. He said Arsene Wenger was a very good human. Um, I learned a lot from him. He put a lot in place that maybe people didn't see. He really tried to look after you and your family. He was always very focused on taking care of people. And I like that. Um, he also talked a little bit about Gabriel Jesus. He said, I work with Gabriel as well for the national team. I know him. I know his family. I know everyone. And that's why I decided to go there and talk to the family. I said to him one thing, which his agent said was really nice. I said, Gabriel, I'm here to try and sign you, but not the Gabriel from this season. Referring to last season, of course. I said, I want the Gabriel from the other seasons because this season, you've not played the way I know you. You've lost your shine. When I see you this season, I'm not seeing you as before because I know you very well. I want the Gabriel from last season because again, you have to be Gabriel. And apparently, Gabriel Jesus looked at him and said, you're right. Really, really interesting. Um, he also touched on using data as as part of his presentation to potential incoming players, and he cited a um, he cited a, an example where, um, you know, he kind of showed evidence to Gabriel Jesus with regards to the team's attacking deficiencies, and illustrated how Jesus could plug the gap. He said it's cl- quite clear if you see where we were last season. The data can show you why we didn't make the top four. I thought that was that was a really nice bit of the interview. Like to know that, and I know that coaches are, are very analytical these days, and I know that their staff are, and I know that there are people within the club whose sole job and sole responsibility is to give it that analytical edge and and make those points and obviously present those to help the manager make decisions, et cetera, et cetera. But to know that Edu, the, the technical director is so ingrained in that part of things and uses those things to go out and pitch to players, I think is really, really encouraging. So I really like that bit. Um, It was asked about missing out on targets. Obviously, this has been a big thing over the summer, right? And, And the most high profile one that we seemingly missed out on was Rafinha. You know, there was also talk about Lissandro Martinez, again, a player who I think that while the option of Manchester United was always there and while Manchester United were willing to pay more than Arsenal, that was always the most likely outcome. Uh, But Edu said, look, I've got a very good relationship with agents and players because it's part of my role. Again, something very, very different to what Arsenal had in the past. He says, but when I start to talk to them, they explain to me as well, not only some ideas about Arsenal, but other clubs too. I always say, be transparent with me because I can help you. What possibilities do you have? What do you want to do? I can give you information as well, but give me something too. For example, he says with Rafinha, it was clear. Deco is my close friend and he wanted to go to Barcelona. That is his dream. Deco, of course, the representative of Rafinha. So I said, thank you very much. Perhaps killing rumours that Arsenal were right in there for Rafinha until the very last minute. And it's really interesting because on on the Sky Sports interview, which is a, a short video, he said they kind of asked to be kept in the loop if anything changed, but that it was very clear from the outset. And obviously we heard from a number of reputable sources during the window that Arsenal had made an open, opening bid for Rafinha. Perhaps they did that just to make it clear that, um, you know, if there was a possibility they were serious about it, perhaps they didn't do it at all, I guess. We'll never really know. But yeah, interesting that in Edu's mind, that was never really happening. Um, He was also asked about reducing the wage bill. We know that the wage bill was very top heavy at certain points and was really problematic for Arsenal in terms of going out and doing further recruitment. He says, to be fair, my first thoughts were about the quality of the squad. Of course, I have to be aware of the salaries, but I started by thinking this player is not the profile I want. And when they have a big salary, then you have to take the decision as soon as possible to try and reduce that wage bill. There's a lot of discussions about how to manage our wage bill, but if a guy's performing and has a big salary, that's not a problem. The problem is always with performance. We would be happy to pay any money if the guy is performing at the top. And again, that gives you encouragement that Arsenal are open to and well aware of the fact that they will have to pay top dollar for the top performers and are quite happy to do that but when that player is not performing in the way that Aubameyang wasn't performing in the way that Mesut Ozil wasn't performing prior to obviously being exiled then it does become a massive problem and that's absolutely right if a player scores goals contributes plays a massive part nobody really gives a shit about the salary do they he was asked about Bakayo Saka's uh, contract talks, which are currently ongoing. He said uh, he was asked how they're going. He said, good, very good. Everybody is happy. Um, he was asked about the apparent delay in the finalization of that deal because we understand that talks have already taken place. He said, look, it's normal. We're going to sit and put all the expectations in the right place, our expectation and his, his family, his agent's expectations and put everything together. The main thing is how he feels, how he feels comfortable with us. He's happy, we're happy, so it's just sit down and find a solution which can give Arsenal fans encouragement that we're not on the cusp of losing Bukayo Saka at this point. Uh, He was also asked finally about um, eventually having to sell players and he says, look, Part of the plan is when you are starting to sell players, that's the challenging one. You already need someone prepared. So if we're able to do that, then chapeau. It's very challenging. For example, let's talk about next season or another. If we sell, I don't know. And again, it's an example, so don't panic. But Kai Osaka, it's not going to happen, he says, but it's just an example. We as a club have to prepare his replacement straight away so if someone has to be in the squad or we have to manage the market well so if we sell him we have someone straight away to replace him in our model but edu's point is 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 valid like at some point arsenal will have to um you know arsenal will have to sell some of these players and arsenal will sell some of these players but it's about the succession planning that is how you guarantee sustained success that's how you guarantee a sustained level Is by good succession planning. And a really good example that Edu brought up himself was the signing that Liverpool made of Luis Diaz back last January, because that was very much with the idea of Sadio Mane or Mo Salah, one or the other, maybe departing the club in the summer. And lo and behold, that happened with Sadio Mane. But that is part of his responsibility, he says, as a a technical director, to keep an eye on the medium. And long-term future and the continued evolution of the squad. So yeah, the piece finishes off the athletics piece. We're presumably in year three of Edu's five-year plan. Arsenal fans will be intrigued to say see where we go next. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm intrigued. I feel invested. I feel on board and I'm really liking the work we're doing at the moment. And is it going to breed guaranteed success right now? No, it's not. Is it even ever going to breed guaranteed success? I don't think there are any guarantees in football. Um, But I think that I have confidence in my club that they're doing things the right way now. I have confidence in the leadership at the top, and I'm talking about Edu, that we are moving in the right direction where football is at the forefront of what we want to do, rather than it just being about business, just being about money. And and that is enough for me. If I feel like my club is in good hands, if I feel like my club are doing the right things, giving their all, then I'll be right behind them, you know, no matter what. And and that's why I feel invested in a way that I simply didn't during Unai Emery's time. Everything was all over the place. The, the relationships weren't there. The recruitment strategy was all over the place. And Edu has, has explained that, you know, that's partly down to maybe not understanding what the manager wanted. Whatever the reasons, it's not, this is not a let's throw mother Unai Emery exercise here. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to emphasize is that I do feel there's a plan. I do feel we're moving in the right direction. I like these interviews because although he hasn't given away all the club secrets and given away everything and anything, he has given us enough clarity to keep us interested, enough clarity to keep us on board. And that, I think, is what you want as a fan. You want those bits fed to you so that you can stay engaged and invested. But also, a sensible fan understands and recognises that they can't tell you everything all of the time. But yeah, like, for example, you know, you couldn't really say that about Unai Emery when he was in charge of the club, could you? Like, it would just have been detrimental and and not fair as well. It, It would have been a mess. So I think that this is, Beg your pardon. Sneezes catching me. I think that this is exactly what we need and want as Arsenal fans. And and I'm happy that we're getting it uh, from time to time now. You know, he outlaid what we were looking to do last season at the start of the season. I thought that was helpful in getting us on board and helping us understand what the plan was, what the goal was, even if he didn't say it um, sort of clearly. And again, he's done that again, um, sort of leading into the new season a couple of weeks before, which I think is um, is great. So yeah, I know there's a lot of reading of quotes that you might have already read in this episode, but I like to do that as I'm going through it because it helps me process what was said and then I can give you guys my thoughts, hopefully in the most articulate way possible. So yeah, um, thank you all, uh, of course, for bearing with me uh, during the duration of that. Look, we're going to do 10 more minutes on this uh, edition of the show, so I want you guys to fill up the chat box with your questions and your thoughts. And I'll take as many of those as I possibly can in that allotted time. Going to take a very short pause, though, before we do that. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. Okay, let's go over to the live chat box and see what you guys are saying, what you guys are thinking in response to that edu interview uh, just a quick reminder though while you're doing that while i'm waiting for some of you guys to get your questions in please do uh, leave a like on the video there's over 600 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms so if we could get the likes up to 300 that would be amazing uh, please please do um okay let's see uh, what you guys are saying um Architector Stux says, fans can now stop lazily analysing Arteta as an experienced manager. He smashed two called 4-0 and 4-2 in the last two meetings. Look, I see, I, I do think that the inexperienced part has let Mikel Arteta down at points, right? I, I think it has. I think that's undeniable. And I think it would be completely unfair to say, no, it's never at any point in his Arsenal career so far been an issue. But what I would say is that, Once you decide and take a decision to embark on such a process, you have to understand that that is going to bite you at some point. And it's weighing up the risk versus the reward. And clearly Arsenal feel that the upside is far more than the downside. So I don't think we should shy away from saying it or highlighting that it has been a problem. But at the same time, it shouldn't be the basis upon which we judge the process, if you like. Uh, Amira says, uh, hi, Harry, don't think I've seen another club's director of football speak so frequently about transfers like we do. Is it just me or do you think there's a reason behind it? No complaints though. I love the transparency. I think it's a bit of PR. I think it is. I think that the club need to do that as I've, as I've kind of already touched on in order to keep that engagement level as high as it possibly can be between the club and the fans. I think that's imperative. And I think that Edu really hit the nail on the head at the start of the interview when he said." For you to judge something, for you to support something, for you to understand something, you need to know what it is that you're being asked to understand and what it is that you're judging. And if you understand, um, you know those those things, then then obviously you're in a better place, in a much more educated place to uh, to make those judgments. From uh, Dimitri says that uh, Harry, you should do some content with Rory Jennings. Would be interesting. Rory's a good friend, and and I would love to sit down. And discuss some of this stuff with Rory. Um, Maybe we can make it happen. Maybe I'll drop him a little message uh, a little bit later on. Um, P Trim says, Harry, you offered a sober analysis of Edu's interview. We have a bit more clarity about our strategy going forward. As I found, it sounds sober to me. I'm interested. I'm in. I beg your pardon. Appreciative. Uh, Panos says, do you think if we don't sign any more players, this will be enough to cook something up this season? If I'm being honest, I I still think we need at least one more. I'd like two. I said that I expected two prior to Zinchenko. We've got one of those two. So in terms of what I expect, I still only expect one more to come in. But I'd quite like to see us bring in two. But I do think we're a little bit hamstrung right now by the the players that we can't move out. Uh, But at the same time, you know, Edu's referred to trying to break that cycle with regards to moving players on and the struggles we've had doing that. And we know that we've got some going at the moment. I mean, we've got Lucas Torreira sitting in Italy as if he's got, you know, as if he doesn't represent Arsenal, as if he's not on our payroll, hanging around kind of, you know, we heard he was there for passport issues. I don't know how much of that, I believe. I mean, couldn't he have gone to the Italian embassy in London um, and got that dealt with, you know, so that doesn't really sit right with me. But we know that that's a problem. We know that the Bellerin thing is is a potential problem. We know that Arsenal don't want to cave in when it comes to Bern Leno, who Fulham are said to be offering seven million plus three in add-ons. Arsenal want more than that. They want in excess of 10 million from what we're led to believe. And I think that's a fair bloody price for a goalkeeper of Bern Leno's quality. So I think, you know, we're, we're kind of hamstr- hamstrung at the moment by the fact that we're struggling with these outgoings. But again, Edu shines a really good light on, what the challenges are as a sporting director, as a technical director, when faced with these types of situations. Com Dean says, would you take Onana and Paqueta to finish the window? Paqueta would be able to play false nine, letting Gabriel Onketiah play wide to cover for Saka. I don't really know a lot about Onana, first of all, so I don't really want to kind of give too much of an opinion on that one way or the other, because it would be... Based purely on what I've read a couple of times, I don't know a lot about the player at all. As for Paquetta, who had done a little bit more uh, research on and and sort of looked into a little bit deeper when those links first emerged, I think it'd be a good addition. But Edu said the other day that although he likes the player, um, Arsenal are not there at the moment. They haven't, you know, made any approach. So whether that changes between now and uh, and the end of the window, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, Stephen says our fans going to accept that there is a process after reading this? Well, they won't be, you know, they won't be because we've got this massive, massive problem in the Arsenal fan base, right? where, Where people, I think, particularly people who go really big one way or the other, almost don't want to admit that they were wrong. And I think that's, I don't think that's the way to be in life, right? You know, I was very strong on my opinion about Unai Emery. I believe that I was proved right in the end Um, and I believe that even more so now having read the article that that's been put out today having read Edu's comments that I was justified in thinking I couldn't see a plan and I was justified in thinking that him and the club were not singing from the same hymn sheet because Edu has literally just told us that straight out of the horse's mouth. So I think that was justified but what I can say is that And I genuinely mean this, is that if Unai Emery did turn it around and we were moving in the right direction, I'd have given him his fair praise for that. And I'd have said, you know what, I was wrong. I think there are a lot of people out there that don't want to admit that Arsenal have improved over the last season and a half. They don't want to admit that despite campaigning so heavily for another manager to come in, that Arteta is starting to do good things that the club have a plan, that the club have a process. Instead, they will look for every reason to have a go. And this is where I struggle. And when we were talking about the other day about fandom and what it should be and what it means and what it represents and what the role of a supporter is, I am not for a second saying, don't be critical. You can be critical. But when you're critical of something or someone you care about, I think you have a responsibility to do it in a respectable way. Right. I, I think that's a given, right? And and you know, this could be with family. For example, if I think my brother is he's, he's doing something stupid, I'll tell him he's doing something stupid. The first time, I'll tell him respectfully. And I'd like to think that he will, even if he doesn't listen to me, take that feedback on board. Even if he doesn't do what I think or do what I say, I'd I'd like to think that he'll take that feedback on board. If he doesn't, and I have to get a little bit harsher in my approach because I really feel passionately and strongly about it because my intentions are in the right place, then I will get a little bit stronger. And I, But again, maintaining respect. And I just think that Arsenal Football Club is something that we all claim to love and care about. Why can't we be respectful towards the club, towards our players, towards the people that are currently in charge of our club? Why can't we be critical but in the right way why can't we be constructive in our criticism you know everyone always you know the the critics go oh what's the process when you know what what's the um what what's the process what are we waiting for here where does the process end etc etc offer up an alternative to what is currently happening now and explain to me why you think that alternative is the better way to go and I'll tell you what I have 100% more respect for your view and for your opinion But if you're just moaning for the sake of moaning and you can't offer up any alternatives, then, you know, just, just jog on. Like it it drives me crazy. Like, you know, I, I had a problem with my boiler. I got a plumber in to come and sort out my boiler. I don't know anything about boilers. You know, I, I don't have a clue. I don't know what the alternative is to the way that he went about fixing it. So I'm not in a position to be critical. I can ask questions and I can have my opinion and I can try and understand it. And I can try, form an opinion based on the limited understanding that I have but if I can't offer up an alternative to him then I should just keep my mouth shut and let him get on with the job let have respect for his profession have respect for what he does and let him get on with it that that, that respect is just completely gone that's a consequence without getting on my soapbox of social media because people think they can say what they would have never said face to face that really irritates me Ayush says um Harry, do we need Cody Gakpo? It seems like Pepe wants to fight for his position. Should we give him more and more year? He's not on astronomical wages anyways. Listen, I've got no problem with Nicolas Pepe staying at the club. I I really don't. I thought he might want to leave this summer. I think his post yesterday was suggestive of the fact that, you know, he's putting a lot of work this summer and he wants to fight for his place and prove to Mikel Arteta that he can be the alternative to Bukayo Saka. I think the Europa League is great for Nicolas Pepe because I think he will thrive in the group stage. And I think he'll get the opportunity to build up some confidence and show what he can do and show that he can impact games in the final third. Um, so, yeah, really, uh, really looking forward to that. Um, really looking forward to seeing how he gets on because at this moment in time, it doesn't look like he's leaving. Now, I'm just going to take one or two more. Um, before I jump off, because I am running out of time. But we will be back, of course, tomorrow with some more um, Arsenal content. Uh, Anurag says, "Uh, I listened to the 90-min gas tank today. All of them were really confident that Spurs would definitely finish third. Being a fan of Serie A, do you think Conte has put his team light years ahead of us? Absolutely not. I don't think they're light years ahead of us. I don't think they're anywhere near light years ahead of us. I would argue that our recruitment this summer has been as strong as if not stronger than Spurs is. And I genuinely do believe that. Have they bought players that fit the system? Yeah. Have they bought well? Yeah, probably for the most part. Um, but I think that Arsenal have bought a player that is transformative enough up front to make a really significant difference in in Gabriel Jesus. I think that Zinchenko adds further quality and depth, um, you know, and, and the ability to be versatile and to sh- shake things up a bit. So I think that, no, I think that um, I think that Tottenham have done good business and I'm not wishing to take anything away from what they've done. I think Conte is a great manager. I, I wrote an article that you can find on nightyman.com maybe a year and a half ago where I said that I thought he was probably the best manager in world football, pound for pound, to use a boxing phrase. But do I think what they've done pulls them away from us? No, I don't. I, I don't. I, you know, I think that we're still very much on par. And I think it's going to be really, really close. I don't think they're guaranteed to finish third. I don't think we're guaranteed to finish third, fourth or even fifth. I don't think you can make those kind of shouts in the Premier League at this point. But the point here is that, um, you know, you go into seasons and you don't really know what to expect. Nobody expected Chelsea to fall off the way they did, having been crowned European champions at the back end of the season prior, and then going out and bringing in Romelu Lukaku for £100 million, which a lot of people felt was the missing piece. I don't think many people envisaged Manchester United finishing where they finished after signing Sancho, Ronaldo, Varane. So I don't want to get into this guaranteeing this and guaranteeing that. I think it's a really dangerous game to play when it comes to football. Let's focus on ourselves. If we end up above Spurs, great. If we end up where we want to be, that's ultimately all that matters. But yeah, thank you all so, so much for tuning in. I really, really do appreciate you. I do like doing these interview reaction things. I I hope you guys enjoy them as well. As I say, I know there's a lot of reading of quotes and sometimes when they're in broken English it can be a little bit difficult, I'd imagine, to follow. Um, but what I want to say is uh, thank you for bearing with me uh, because it helps me to be able to make sure that I don't miss out any of my key thoughts um, and, and take away from the show. So yeah, really, really appreciate all of your support. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal content. You can catch me at 6pm live on Tom Canton's channel as well until next time take care of yourselves and uh, up the Arsenal I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon